This is Paul Davy, Yield Point Specialist for Egg Services in Warren, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Egg Services, providing solutions for your success. Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan along with Whitney Pittman and Tyler Donaldson. Warmer temperatures coming to an end in the Red River Valley. Grand Forks meteorologist Tyler Thomas shares a preview of the upcoming weather and what to expect over the weekend. Um, as we get into the weekend, those high temps are kind of going to drop off a little bit, probably more in the teens by Sunday, kind of in that mid-ground Saturday as we transition. And then as we head into early next week, more of those teens to low 20s. As far as any precip goes, we are looking at pretty widespread snow across the area, just nothing substantial, kind of one to two inches across eastern North Dakota into the valley. Then as you get east of the valley, could see up to about three inches over into the Bemidji area. This week's export sales report is weighing on the corn and soybean markets. Martinson Ag Risk Management President Randy Martinson says export sales were disappointing. Yeah, we had marketing year lows for corn and for soybeans. You're right, it was, you know, the holiday week. You never do expect to see much activity. But remember back at Thanksgiving, we had really big sales reported for all three crops. So we're kind of disappointed. We haven't seen a flash export sale for corn since, I think, December 8th. We haven't seen one for uh, soybeans since December 19th. So it's been a while since we've had some sales uh, reported. USDA's weekly export sales were disappointing for grains, with marketing year low sales of corn and soybeans. Net old and new crop corn sales of 367,000 metric tons included net new crop cancellations of 200 metric tons, 70% below the previous week and 71% less than the four-week average. Net soybean sales of 202,000 metric tons are 79% less than the previous week and 86% below the four-week average. Net old and new crop wheat export sales of 136,000 metric tons are 57% less than the previous week and 78% below the four-week average. AgWatch Market Advisors President Dewey Strickler says the grains just continue to chop sideways. Not seeing any signs of any recovery from the sell-off that we had beginning this week. Uh, conditions are improving in Brazil, and that's got uh, corn and beans on the defensive here, plus also, too, we had some lousy export uh, sales numbers uh, here in the weekly sales report today. Uh, wheat's just being supported a little bit because of um, increased uh, tensions in the Black Sea as well as the uh, Red Sea here as well. And other than that, that's pretty much all we're looking at, waiting for next week's uh, January 12th crop report to come out. RCM Ag Services market analyst Steve Wagner says wheat is finding support, but the corn and soybeans are not. The corn and the beans, definitely not. We've taken support out, and I do think the market's going to press lower. Uh, a lower close this afternoon will signal you know, more weakness come Monday. Really, the bright spot is the report Friday. Hopefully, the USDA gives us good news with the USDA finals of uh, supply and demand report for 2023. The livestock markets are firmer. The contradiction, the irony is that, that the cash is drifting lower. I wouldn't say drifting, falling lower, but that's because packers are moving cattle. Uh, last night's choice box beef down another two bucks puts uh, choice box beef at 276 uh, versus February um 
the February live cattle were up uh, 22 cents this morning. They'll straighten things out. I think what we're seeing is the packer unloading uh, beef that he had on the books for the quarter and, and really doesn't want to sit with. So they're moving it and moving it at a pretty good discount. Right now, packer margins are a negative 149. According to the Energy Information Administration, almost all renewable diesel produced in the U.S. was used in California. Today, the comment period opens for new standards set by the state's Clean Air Board. Growth Energy Senior Vice President of Regulatory Affairs Chris Bliley gives some details included in the proposed rule. California is in the midst of updating its low-carbon fuel standard. Essentially, the Air Resources Board, the agency in charge of the, the low-carbon fuel standard, is going to make the program more stringent. They want to make deeper carbon intensity reductions of their transportation fuels. So they're proposing to make the compliance curve tighter, a 30% greenhouse gas reduction by 2030, and then a 90% reduction by 2045. There's some um, provisions on sustainability on feedstock. They're also removing the current exemption on aviation fuel. There are a lot of opportunities for biofuel and bioethanol producers. Renewable fuels like bioethanol have been really a key piece um, to implementing their low carbon fuel standard. Um, it's generated a ton of credits uh, since implementation of this program. And so with a, a tighter compliance curve, it's going to require more low carbon fuels. And so it's really important that there be an opportunity for, you know, lower carbon ethanol to continue to compete a number of our plants are making significant investments to reduce their own carbon intensity so that they can compete in markets like this in California. Global food prices tracked by the UN Food and Agricultural Organization's Food Price Index decreased in December by 1.5% compared to November, primarily due to lower sugar, vegetable oil, and meat prices. Sugar prices fell 17% due to booming production in Brazil and reduced sugarcane use for ethanol in India. Vegetable oil prices dropped 1.4%, influenced by weakened demand in the biodiesel sector. Meat prices declining 1%, partly due to Asia's weak import demand for pig meat. Dairy prices rose 1.6%, uh, driven by higher butter and cheese prices in Western Europe, leading into the holiday season. The overall price index was 10% lower than the previous year. Reporting Agriculture's Business, you're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. The federal milk marketing order hearings that began in August will resume January 16th. Monaga, Minnesota dairy farmer Christine Spajinski testified back in September. You know, our federal orders have been a little archaic and things have changed in the marketplace. Things have changed on the farm when it comes to, you know, our component levels and, um, you know, where where a class one or fluid milk is in, in determining price. And so we definitely know that there need to be some changes. And um, what's what's really exciting, I think, in the fact that you know nobody anticipated that these hearings would be going as long as they are. Where I see that as a dairy farmer is that it means people are people care, that people are interested. 
After a tough time for dairy markets in 2023, Spijinski is optimistic that changes will be made. We've had a record number of dairy farmers who have testified, which is fantastic. And, um, you know, the, the USDA is listening to all these things that are that are coming forward, all these plans and, and anticipated changes. And I think that's a good thing. Federal orders are complicated. And so, you know, the, to be able to do the best that we can in getting them, obviously there's going to be compromise. That's kind of how this works. Um, there will be some compromises that need to be made, but I do feel in the end that we are going to have a federal milk marketing order that is conducent to today's markets and where we're sitting. It's an uphill battle on the Hill to get a farm bill written up before the end of the fiscal year in 2024. Russell Group President Randy Russell says it could be a wild ride. Yeah, I think everybody should buckle up. This is going to be a, a very contentious period, as I mentioned, just because of the the fact that we are in an election year and that we have a very what appears to be a very tight presidential election coming before us uh, control the house and senate is very much up for grabs that's going to make these negotiations on budget and spending and border uh, and other issues even the farm bill will become more contentious the closer we get to an election and that's why it's really important for us to try to get the house farm bill particularly moving uh, before the end of the first quarter of the year. All 12 appropriations bills still stand in the way. The longer a disagreement exists between House Democrats and Republicans and then the Senate and the White House over funding the government for the rest of the year, and remember, we're already a little over three months into the fiscal year, so funding the government for the rest of the year is priority number one. They've got to get that resolved, and I think, assuming they can, I do believe it's the intent of House Ag Committee Chairman G.T. Thompson to try to put a, a committee print, as we call it, out on the street sometime, uh, maybe in February, towards the end of February and then try to mark up in March. But again, that is directly contingent on them getting this government funding behind them, and we got a long ways to go on that before we have a resolution. Election politics are already part of the equation. Potato Expo 2024 kicks off next Wednesday in Austin, Texas. National Potato Council Vice President of Industry Relations and Events, Holly, uh, Holly Alexander, previews Potato Expo. It starts off with uh, United puts on a business summit with uh, some of the updates um, on the markets. And then the Expo, uh, Potato Expo, officially opens after that. Uh, this year, we are going to have uh, three stages with programming going on both days on all three stages all day long. Uh, so there'll be lot, lots of content and information to, to gather while you're there. And along with the educational seminars, Alexander says the trade show will be special this year. It is going to be the largest exhibit hall we have ever had. Uh, we have a record-breaking number of exhibiting companies. We've expanded the footprint of the floor plan. So we have you know, a, a space that's over 100,000 square feet that is going to have everything that's going on at the expo over the two days of the show. And, and we're excited about that. It's, it's a great um, environment for networking and uh, reconnecting and, and doing business. USDA is making up to $3 million available to provide risk management training to underserved small scale and organic farmers. Nonprofit groups and land-grant universities can apply for these grants. The deadline for applications is March 4th. Find more farm news, visit rrfn.com.
Reporting agriculture's business, this is the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Let's catch up with Ag Week reporter Ariana Schumacher. Ariana, what do you have for us on the cover of Ag Week this week? This week we're talking about food insecurities in smaller communities, specifically on the Native American reservations across South Dakota. I went to Eagle Butte where the FFA students there are winterizing their greenhouse so that they'll be able to grow fresh fruits and vegetables all year round as part of an FFA foundation grant. And so that food that they're producing is going to go right back into their school's cafeteria and they'll be producing food for the fellow students. Awesome. Is it big enough to, to handle uh, the entire student body then? From the sounds of it, that's what their goal is. They serve around 1,200 200 students a day, so that's quite a lot of food, but this should cover their entire salad bar. Awesome. The uh, uh, It takes, a, like you said, a foundation grant. It takes a, a real good uh, foundation, FFA foundation, to uh, to make that possible. Oh, absolutely. And this grant is just kind of the start of their program, so it won't probably cover the whole project, but they're hoping to winterize their greenhouse. They're going to have a hydroponic system as well, and they're also looking at working with some local producers to get um, local bison into the food program as well. So this FSA group is kind of working to get a bunch of different food programs started across their, across their school. Well, Ariana sounds wonderful. Looking forward to reading about it next week's Ag Week. And let's check markets here before we leave you this noon hour. March wheat Minneapolis is up a penny and a half, seven twelve and three quarters. Chicago March wheat's up three and a quarter at six sixteen and three quarters. And Kansas City March wheat's up three cents at six twenty-eight and three quarters. March corn is down six cents at four sixty and three quarters. The July corn's down five and a half at four eighty-three and a quarter. March soybeans down eleven and a quarter at twelve fifty-six and a quarter. The May soybeans down twelve and a quarter at twelve. 64 and a quarter. In Winnipeg, March canola is down $10.20 a metric ton at $621.30 Canadian. February live cattle down 80 cents, 170.32. The January feeders are down $1.85 at 222.82. And February lean hogs are 90 cents higher at 69.95. Thanks for joining us. This is the Red River Farm Network.